but it's before the Lord. And, uh, and I, I have a, a scripture just I'd like to read to you if you're that person. It's in John's Gospel. Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled. And do not be afraid. So just that scripture for you, if that's speaking to you uh, this morning. All right, so <clears throat> we're starting a, a new series, which we've entitled A New Way to Live. On your left-hand side, you'll see it on the board there. Uh, we're going to be journeying through what is called the, the Sermon on the Mount. I think many of you are familiar with it. Uh, many of you know the Sermon on the Mount. Many of you have read it. Uh, many of you have heard it preached on before. And, uh, but uh, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be focusing on this for the rest of the year. So we're going to be preaching on Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 for the rest of 2018, right till the end of the year. And uh, just for, for what it's worth, we're going to be preaching it at every service and in every congregation. So I preached this this morning, preaching it again. We'll preach it uh, next Sunday evening. We'll start with this. Uh, and in Musenberg, so right through the church, we want to be focusing uh, on this uh, parable or the sermon that Jesus preached, the Sermon on the Mount. And, and this morning, I want to talk about Christianity and culture. That's kind of what God has put on my heart to address, or, or being the people of God in the culture that we live in. When Jesus begins what's called the Sermon on the Mount, he's talking about the fact that it is a blessing to be a believer. Do you know that it's a blessing to be a Christian? It is not being religious. It is not having a whole set of rules that we follow. It is a blessing to be a follower of Christ. And what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount is so different. It's so revolutionary to anything that anybody had heard in those days. For this reason, that peop what people were doing is they were reworking God's Word so that they could almost do anything that they liked. That's why Jesus has to say to people, you have said, but I say unto you. Jesus was saying, when I see the way that you've taken the Scriptures and you've reworked them, I need to bring you back to the core of what God was saying. And the reason that we're going to work our way through this sermon is that to some degree, we as a church and we as Christians need to realign ourselves with what Jesus said again. I think it would not be amiss for me to say this morning, our culture has crept into the church. With the result that many things that Christians value and cherish have been lost along the way. I think it would be true to say that we are living in an age where there are no more absolutes. Everything's up for debate. Everything's up for discussion. Whether you're a Christian or not, everything is suddenly up for debate and discussion. And sin has become so acceptable that people are actually quite offended when you challenge them about what they do or say. How can you, how can you say that to me? How can you judge me? It's almost kind of the tables have been turned. You 
if we raise any issues, it's like now you are judging people. And I think it will be helpful for us to go back and look at what Jesus taught and what Jesus said about being a Christian. That's why we've called this series Another Way to Live. So let's read the first 12 verses of Matthew chapter 5, and then I'll take some time to talk into that. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. How many of you have been to Israel before? Some of you? Some of you? I'm sure if you've been there, you've seen the place where it is said that the Sermon on the Mount was preached. And there was probably a big crowd over there. And it's almost the sense Jesus is sitting down with his disciples. If you taught in those days, by the way, you wouldn't do what I'm doing in that standing. You would sit down and teach. And so Jesus would have been sitting down. He's teaching the disciples, but there's almost this whole crowd that's eavesdropping what he is saying. And he's almost saying to the crowds, I want you to hear what I'm saying. It's important because crowds followed Jesus until he told them about the cross. Then suddenly there was no one around anymore. And he sat down, and his disciples came to him. And he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of him. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus starts by saying that the Christian life is a life of blessing. In fact, in the 12 verses that we have read together, no fewer than nine times does Jesus use the word blessed. Living the way he describes Christian living will bring people into the blessing of God. But what's so striking about what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount is how opposite the Christian life is to the culture that we live in. Even Christians have become a little confused about what Jesus said about being a Christian and being one of his followers. Now the first thing that he highlights in what is called the Beatitudes is that being a Christian is a blessing to those who know they do not deserve it. That's the first blessing that he speaks about. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is the, describing the person who trusts in God, 
who relies in, on God, who comes to God because they know that God is a God of grace and mercy. Friends, may I say to you, that's the nature of the God that we come to. He's a God of grace and mercy. There is a beautiful story we read in Luke chapter 18. It's about two people that were praying. And I think this illustrates a little bit of what Jesus is talking about when he speaks about the poor in spirit. And the one man was a Pharisee and the other man was a tax collector. And the, the Bible describes the prayer of the Pharisee and says, he prayed about himself. Have you ever thought that it's possible to pray about yourself? I thought when you prayed, you prayed to the Lord. Well, it says this man prayed about himself. Listen to what he said about himself. It's quite interesting. He said, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, robbers, evildoers, and adulterers, or even like this guy next to me who's a tax collector. I, I, I don't know if you've ever said that. Lord, I thank you that I'm not like some other people. That's praying about yourself, by the way. That's what is being described over here. In fact, he says, I fast twice a week and I'm a tither. I, I remember listening to a sermon one day. I was very amused by it. Uh, the, the, this preacher is one of these TV guys. And he, and he was saying, tell God you're a tither. He's not what he was saying. Well, you tithe, you can expect to get something back. Well, this is this man. He says, God, I, I'm a tither. <laughs> I, I fast twice a week. That's praying, called praying about yourself, by the way. But then there's another guy. Now, he's a tax collector. And for you, those of you who know the Bible, you'll know that a tax collector was a person really despised. He was a sellout to his own kind. And the Bible says this tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven. He beat his breast and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And the comment that is made there, I tell you that this man rather than the other, went home justified by God. What Jesus is saying over here when he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, he's saying it's the person that comes to God empty-handed. It's the person who comes to God knowing that there is nothing they can bring that's good enough for us to deserve anything from God. That's the person who's blessed. That's the person who receives God's blessing. They come empty-handed. Paul, when he was looking back at his own life, you remember that he was quite a zealous guy, he was quite a religious guy, but he was also not a very nice person. And he says, I look, when I look back at my life, he says, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy. You see, when you come to God and when you've messed up and you come empty-handed and you know there is nothing you deserve, the God of grace and mercy brings you into His blessing. You see, you never got blessed because you were worthy in the first place. You got blessed because of the cross and because of Jesus. But then Jesus goes on to say that people are blessed when they are broken hearted about their sin. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And Jesus is saying this 
Because in his day, there were a lot of self-righteous people around. I don't know if they, do you think there's still a lot of self-righteous people? Sounds like you think they are. Better than you say it than me. But can I tell you something about self-righteous people? They always blame other people for what they're going through. They always have a reason or an excuse for what they are doing. They're always on the defensive and they struggle to see the sin in their own lives. Jesus is saying the person here who is blessed, who is comforted, is the one who is broken hearted about their sin and that no one is to blame for their behavior instead of them. I was reminded of what Jesus said to the Laodicean church when he was grieved by the fact they were neither hot nor cold. Hot, neither hot nor cold is, is walking the in-between road. It, it's walking like I'm, I'm not going to go down there and say, Lord, I, I've messed up, I've blown it, I've sinned. It's also the person who's kind of a bit careful of... of and he says, I wish that you were either one or the other. And isn't it true that when you and I discover how to deal with our sin, it's only then that we are able to help other people deal with this. Blessed are those who mourn. But then Jesus goes on to say that people are blessed who know how to keep themselves under control. That's what it means to be meek. To be meek. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Jesus is saying that Christians live self-controlled lives. Now that sounds a bit odd, doesn't it? Or could I use the word they exercise self-control? Meekness is not a description of a person who is a doormat. They are not, it's not a description of somebody who can't stand up for themselves, but it is a description of a person who chooses to respond differently in the world that they live in, like Jesus did. Probably one of the greatest descriptions of that is Stephen when he was being stoned. There was a mob of people who were angry because Stephen was speaking about Jesus and he was touching on their religiousness and how they'd rejected Messiah, and they took stones, and they began to stone him. And the Bible says that he cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against, against them. And this brings us to a really important point in the sermon. The question is this. Do you think it's possible to be this kind of person? Do you think it's possible to be like Stephen? Have any of you ever tried? I mean, most of us are getting angry with people the way they drive in the country. And we're fed up with the service delivery in some of the government departments. And Jesus is speaking about us being like Stephen. Is this possible? And the answer is, Outside of Christ, no. You will never be able to do this. You see, this is only possible 
when you are born from above. This is only possible when you are a new creation. This is only possible when you're living by the Spirit. This is only possible when there is the fruit of the Spirit in your life. You see, here is what Jesus wants to bring us to. He's wanting to, to bring us to the place of saying, it's absolutely impossible on my own. But in Christ and through the Spirit, all things are possible. Do you remember what the last fruit of the Holy Spirit is? So, you see, this sermon is meant to jar you. It's kind of meant to bring you to the end of yourself. It's meant to bring you to the place to say, God, this is absolutely impossible. You know, when believers behave like this, they are blessed. They inherit the earth. What does it mean to inherit the earth? Well, I'll tell you what I think it means. Jesus said, one day when I come again, there's going to be a new heaven. There's going to be a new earth. He said in the new heavens and the new earth, there's going to be no more fighting. There's going to be no more crying. There's going to be no more pain. There's going to be no more injustice. He will wipe every tear from the eyes. And he says, the person who is meek, the person who exercises self-control, begins to experience that now. Another aspect of this blessed life is discovered when there is a hunger and a thirsting to be right with God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Jesus is talking, talk, touching on such an important aspect of the, of the Christian life. Having a deep desire to do what is pleasing to God. Now, I want us to understand what's being said over here. Do you know that the one thing that often hinders us finding a solution to our problems is us? Have you ever found yourself praying, Lord, will you fix my wife? Lord, will you just do a great miracle in my husband's life? Father, fix my kids. Well, you know that guy that I work for, Lord, won't you do something in his life? Let me read to you a scripture here. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Friends, and I, and I believe Jesus is touching on something so important here. It's great to pray for your boss and your husband and your wife and your kids and all of that, but start with yourself. We all know it always takes two to tango, doesn't it? You see, Jesus is saying that the solution we are seeking comes when we start looking at ourselves first. Do you notice that Jesus finishes this uh, these 12 verses that we've been read, reading together, what's called the Beatitudes, by saying you are blessed when you are persecuted. Did you remember that? You see, when you start with yourself, sometimes you will live with persecution. Because maybe others aren't going to change. 
And you might end up being persecuted, but that doesn't change you being the person God wants you to be. As Jesus goes on with his sermon, what he says seems to become more and more difficult. It's like you're climbing a ladder, and the the bottom rung is those who are poor in spirit, who recognize their need, who come empty-handed. But then you start to ascend this ladder. And then in verse 7, he speaks about the blessed life of people who choose to be merciful to those who don't deserve it. Blessed are the merciful. This is another quality of the Christian which is so opposite to our culture. Have you noticed our culture is a culture of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth? The quality being described here is that of showing mercy to those who do not deserve it. If my information is correct, you'll remember some years back that people tossed some explosive devices into a church service that was happening at the St. James Church. Some of you remember that? You know that people... People are traumatized by that and physically injured through that. But as my information is correct, when those perpetrators were caught and they were put in prison, people from that same church went into prison and ministered to them. Friends, that's mercy. Mercy does not mean we overlook what is wrong. It does not mean we overlook the sin in the world. It does not mean we overlook injustice. It means that we go beyond that as God's people. You see, this is what is being described in what has come to be known as the parable of the unmerciful servant in Matthew chapter 18. It is a story about a servant that Jesus told And his master discovered this man had humongous amount of debt. In fact, he owed his master a phenomenal amount. And he calls him in and he says, time to pay up. And the guy says to him, I can't. And he said, well, if you can't pay up, you're going to get thrown into prison for the rest of your days until you can pay. And then your family will be sold into slavery and they will work off your debts. And that guy knew that it was absolutely impossible for him, even for the whole of his life, if that happened, for his debt to be repaid. And he falls down and he begs his master. And he says, I beg of you, I beg of you, won't you release me from this debt? And his master is a good guy. One of those really nice guys, and he said, I'm going to wipe the slate clean. And you can walk out of here with a clean slate. And believe it or not, he goes down the corridor. And he finds one of his fellow servants who owes him a pittance. And he says to the guy, pay up right now. And the guy says, I can't. He begs him, won't you please have mercy on me? He says to him, there is no way. Take this man, throw him into prison, sell his family into slavery until he pays me everything he owes. Unfortunately for him, 
his master heard about this and called him in and said, you wicked servant, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And here's the deal. This is what Jesus is saying. The reason we have mercy is because we've received mercy. Friends, we receive mercy and that's why we are merciful. Isn't it amazing how easily we forget? How easily we've got used to forgetting how much we have been forgiven, especially when we hold grudges and we will not make right and we get angry with one another. And I want to ask you this morning, what would your father say? And he said, I wipe the slate clean. You know, the blessing of being a merciful person is this. That you know every time you go back to God, you will receive mercy. Isn't it great? I promise you, until you die, you're going to mess up. And until you die, you will know that you can go to the God of mercy. But then there is also the blessing of watching what is going on in our own hearts. Blessed are the pure in heart. Touches on another aspect of the Christian life. And it's this. What's going on in your heart and what's going on in my heart when you get to the You can hide things for a lot of years. There comes a day when you're going to be in a position where somebody just presses the right button. Luke 6, the Bible says the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings out evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart, for out of the overflow of his heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus said, says here how important it is to watch over our hearts, not just our outward behavior. You know that's why David prayed these words. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. You know what David was saying after he'd messed up and after he'd committed adultery with Bathsheba and after he'd put her husband to death when he got before God, he said there's only one reason that happened. It was what was in my heart. It wasn't she was a pretty woman. That was true. Said the problem was Now what's so brilliant about God? The only one who can do. The blessing of having a pure heart. Is it says, and they will see God. Now, 
I'm asking myself, what in the world is that? What's that blessing? What does it mean to see God? Has anybody here ever physically seen God? I don't think so. What it is suggesting, I think, says when you have a pure heart, you start to see God everywhere. You start to see Him in nature. You start to see Him in your family. You start to see Him in your circumstances. You even start to see Him in your difficulties. You see, the person who's got a pure heart, suddenly they can spot the hand of God and they can see God's hand everywhere. Do you remember what Paul said in Philippians chapter 1? I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Everybody, oh, he's in prison. Poor Paul. Let's get him out. And Paul said, no, no. I see the hand of the Lord. Appear in art. And then we come to the blessing of being a peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers. Jesus is saying that Christians are peacemakers. <laughs> Do you ever feel the opposite? Do you feel, ever feel like, like I'm in for a good fight here? Friends, the nature of Christianity in the world we live in with all the conflict and all the horrible stuff that's going down, we are meant to be the peacemakers because we are like Him and we are His representatives. And He is the Prince of Peace who came to bring peace to this world. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom His favor rests. The peacemaker is the person who refuses to leave things the way they are because they know what it means to have peace with God. We don't avoid. We don't put our heads in the sand like an ostrich. We are peacemakers. By the way, peace is not the avoidance of conflict. It is the shalom of God. And the blessing is, and they will be called sons of God. What's interesting about this verse that I never realized until I studied it this week is that it's not men who call them peacemakers, it's God. He says, You are peacemakers. He says, you are my sons. He says, you are like my son when you become a peacemaker. I don't know if you've noticed that the high point of the sermon is this. Not that you are blessed when you do things, these things, but you do these things because you're blessed. That makes sense to you? Do you know that the Christian gospel is that everything is by grace. You see, it almost sounds when you're reading what Jesus is saying, Jesus is saying, well, if you do this, then you'll be blessed. You do this, then you're going to be blessed. 
Let me say that to you. What Je- Let me tell you what Jesus is saying this morning. He's saying blessed people do these things. It's because we are walking in God's blessing and we are walking in God's forgiveness and we are walking in God's goodness and we are walking in God's grace and we are walking in God's favor. We are this kind of person because we are there already. That's the gospel. That's the good news that Jesus preached. That's the good news his disciples preached. It's still the good news that we preach. It's always by grace alone. But you know, there's another side to this coin. And it's this. Although you are blessed because of Christ, every time you do these things, you get blessed as well. See, every time you're a peacemaker, you get blessed. Every time there's purity of heart, you get blessed. Every time you come to Him empty-handed, you get blessed. You see, it's from blessing to blessing. That's the message of the gospel. Blessed, blessed, blessed. Which leads me to do one thing as we finish off this morning. It is to come around this communion table and to tell you this morning that you are blessed because His body was broken for you. I am blessed this morning because His body was broken for me. And when I came to Him empty-handed, and I came to Him and said, God, I'm worthy of nothing other than Your judgment and eternal damnation. He said, my son, I forgive you. And I wipe the slate clean and enter into my goodness and into my blessing. And it was all because of the cross. I don't know how many of you were here on Wednesday night. It was a deeply moving experience for me. I remember Barry Isaacs standing up and sharing with us how much hatred there was in his heart towards white people because of apartheid. But friends, if any of you know Barry, he's one of the most loving men I know. And I couldn't, you can't figure that out until you realize He's living a life of blessing. You see, he came to the cross with all of the stuff that he carried. And he took all of that stuff, God took all of that stuff that had happened and put it on Jesus and released him and set him free. And I've met a man who's merciful and loving and kind and forgiving because he came to the cross. That's the good news of the gospel. Amen. So let's come around the table. John, if you can join me. Janine, if you couldn't.